Hello, and thanks for joining Wicker Park Lutheran Church Sermons. Wicker Park Lutheran Church is a diverse ELCA Lutheran congregation in the Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago. We gather at 10 a.m. to fully live into our incarnational faith as we experience God's presence in the gathered assembly, and we welcome you to join us. In just a moment, you'll first hear with a gospel reading from the associated sermon for the service that you're about to listen to. We hope that that gospel gives you some context before you jump right into the sermon. Thanks for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The Jewish Passover was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered what was that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The temple authorities then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. They retorted, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It is so wonderful to be here with you all this third Sunday in Lent. To be back in this sanctuary, leading worship with you is such a gift. Yet, knowing that Wicker Park is an ever-changing community, I know there are many of you who probably don't recognize me at all. So my name is Pastor Paisley, and I had the gift of serving here as vicar 2019 through 2020. So yes, I accompanied um, Pastor Jason and the whole church staff through the abrupt transition into COVID worship four years ago, and I never got to step back into the sanctuary with people in the actual pews. And so it is so nice to be here this day. And in fact, feels like a sort of homecoming to be in this place, especially in this season and in this pulpit, exploring this text with you. So let's dive in. We've, of course, jumped Gospels this week. We have been walking with Mark, and now we begin a series of Sundays in the Gospel of John. And I point this out because the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John, I think are the two that are most opposite from each other. We have Mark who has bare bone details, who is catapulting Jesus from baptism to the cross, and who doesn't even originally tell the story of the resurrection. And then on the other hand, we have John, who goes into such detail as to almost become incomprehensible, who focuses on the divine part of Jesus and who names resurrection in the same breath as naming Jesus. Where Mark is concerned with the immediacy of the kingdom of God and joining in on that work, 
John is most concerned with upholding the power in the divinity of Jesus. And these differences between Mark and John continue in our passage from today. In Mark's rendition of this story, of this temple cleansing, it is in the same place as the other synoptic gospels, meaning Matthew and Luke. It is at the very end of the story. Jesus has his triumphant entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and he goes right into the temple and cleanses it. He calls that temple a den of robbers. And it is this interaction in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that is the final thread for the Judean officials. Next comes Jesus' death and resurrection. However, for John, this temple scene happens almost immediately. We're in the second chapter here. This scene is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has just been at the wedding at Cana and performed his first sign. He's rested in Capernaum for a few days, and then he heads to Jerusalem, as all Jewish people were meant to do, to celebrate the Passover. We hear he arrives and finds all sorts of people selling animals for sacrifice. And upon seeing this, he makes a whip of cords and drives them out. He dumps the coins of the money changers on the ground and flips their tables. When we Christians tell this story, this is the point where we usually say that Jesus is shocked, appalled, and disgusted to see the marketplace there in the temple courtyard. But the truth is, upon entering the courtyard, upon entering the temple, Jesus would not have been surprised by the scene at all. After all, in addition to being a place of worship, the temple was also a cultural meeting place. It was where people gathered to learn, to be in community, and especially around the feast days, it was a place where goods were exchanged and where animals were purchased for sacrifice. So the presence of animals for sale, the presence of these money changers at tables with those first century cash boxes, those wouldn't have been unusual at all. If anything, it is Jesus's reaction to this rather normal occurrence that is unusual. And his reaction, remember, is pretty extreme. It's to make a whip of cords and drive them out. So what is going on here? Most commentators agree that the issue was not that there was that trading going on in the temple, but the issue was that the corruption had made its way into the dealings with the money changers. For many, traders and dealers were not simply providing for the needs of the temple and its worshipers. They were trying to make their own profit. They were turning the work of God into a business to fill their own pockets and to glorify themselves. This is why Jesus said to stop making my father's house a marketplace. Unfortunately, with any human institution comes corruption, or at least the possibility for it. 
We know this well, and Jesus knew it too. And I think it's even trickier when it comes to something like religion, because how easily we can begin worshiping the institution rather than the one whom we are gathered to praise. And how easy it is to find ourselves trying to make a profit off of doing God's work, whether literally or in terms of social capital. So I think to get to the bottom of this text, we must, as always, think about the audience for whom these words were first written. And so John's Gospel, written around 70 um, CE, is written to a Jewish community living in a world where not only that first temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians centuries ago, but also the second temple that had finally, that had finally been rebuilt after 46 long years, had also been destroyed, this time by the Romans. So for a people whose ancestors believed that the true presence of God resided within the walls of the temple, this is a heartbreaking truth, a traumatizing reality. Our author writes to a community trying to hold together the belief that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Holy One of God, with this heartbreaking truth the real pain of having lost their temple again. The readers of the Gospel of John were believers in God's Savior, who was promised to be Jesus, who by this time had lived, had died, and had risen again. And yet these folks still watched as the temple of God fell apart before their eyes destroyed again by an occupying army, just like the last time. So I think with this particular people in mind, our passage rings a little differently. These words were not written to pit Christians against Jews. The people who received these words would have never thought that Jesus's flipping of the tables was anti-Jewish. In fact, they would have seen this quite clearly as Jesus stepping into the role of prophet. Jesus, in this action, joins a great line of mighty prophets who all cried out in protest when the people were profaning the temple. And the people who received these words, this Johannine community, would surely remember what was written in Psalm 69, which is quoted here, zeal for your house will consume me. The people who received these words in the year 70, who were living without the temple, knew that there had to be more to God than the temple. There had to be. Because if God could only dwell in the temple, then there was no hope. And in comes those mysterious words from Jesus in our passage today. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. They were confused. They were confused because they thought that he meant the temple their ancestors had built, 
that beautiful place for beautiful prayer and song and community. But he was speaking of the temple of his body, which God himself had built, which was filled with pain as well as beauty, marked by scars as well as strength. A Jesus who is filled with anger, but also a Jesus who is filled with love. It is this temple, this temple that is the body of Jesus, that is raised from the dead. And it is upon that happening that his disciples remember that he had said that. Now recall for a moment how the Gospel of John began, and I always think it's best to hear these words with your eyes closed, so if you're comfortable doing that, just close your eyes for me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That is the beginning of our Gospel of John, that the Word was with God and was God from the beginning. Or in other words, the temple of the Word was with God and was God from the beginning and still now. This would have had a profound impact on John's listeners. To hear Jesus come in and say, what you are doing here is not everything there is. And then to offer a new name for himself, temple of the word, temple of God. Well, it meant something serious. It was giving a hope that had long thought to been lost. Jesus was saying that regardless of acts of violence or cruelty or hate, no power in this world could come against God's temple or God's self, that God could not overcome and transcend with glory. Now repeat that. This is Jesus giving the hope that regardless of acts of violence or cruelty or evil or hate, no power, no power could ever come against God's temple or God's self, that God cannot overcome and transcend with God's glory. That is the reminder of our passage today. That is the gospel. And so it is my prayer that this Lenten season, as we journey with Jesus to the cross, let us remember that our God is the God who raised the temple on the third day. May we be consumed by zeal, not for our house, but for your house, O God. Not by our word, but by your word, O God. May we be consumed not by our will, but by God's will. Not by our truth, but by God's truth. May it be so. Amen.